Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Square Ball Podcast. Podcast 114, welcome along. I'm Dan Moylan, with me is Michael Normanton. Hello. And Moscow White, Daniel Chapman. Hello there. Still loads more bitterness and recrimination to come because it's the thing that we do best. Of course, all the usual bits coming up. We'll be looking at Rotherham in a bit. Picking more heroes and villains from this last seven days and looking at Stoke in just a second. Just a quick heads up that issue six is our current issue of our fanzine, which went on sale via Derby. The Bailey Peacock Farrell cover as Frida Kahlo. It's the most highbrow cover we've ever done, as we mentioned last time. You can get that as part of a subscription if you want to support what we do. Digital Sob is the equivalent of a quid a month. You can find that. Get yourself a digital subscription at thesquareball.net. Gents, the debate is now over. God officially exists based on podcast 113. This was the test. It's not the result I was hoping for in more than one way. How was your Sunday at church with a friendly, the vicar welcoming? I'm, I'm scared to go just just yet. I'm waiting for further evidence. I'm hoping there'll be some some alternative uh, evidence brought to my attention soon. Satan. Michael Brown. <laughs> if you are a new listener, by the way, we're referring to Podcast 113 here, in which we said heavily religious manager of Stoke, Nathan Jones. We said if Leeds were to win at Stoke, it would prove that Bielsa was God. However, if Nathan Jones really did have the big man on his side, they would win and win they did. And they should be investigated for it, as we were saying as well. If Leeds are being investigated for having an unfair advantage from uh, watching other teams' training sessions, I mean... An hour, and maybe watching them for an hour. God, om- no om- omnipotence, is there? God watches them train all the time, doesn't just watch them train, watches them at home. He watches while they're sleeping. He knows when you're... Oh, no, that's Santa Claus, isn't it? But it's the same principle. He's got a list. He's checked it twice. He knows who's been naughty and nice at Leeds. That's Santa Claus again, isn't it? What does God do? What's How is God different to Santa Claus? Anybody? I didn't mean to get straight into the theological debate this soon. Perhaps we should just let the listener decide. That's fair. Did you, Nathan Jones's decision to celebrate this in uh, the House of the Lord or the Bet365 Stadium, marching around their pitch, yelling, get the fuck in. I didn't think it was very Christian of him. That's not a... That's, I didn't know he'd done that. It's not loving that's your neighbour. Yeah, he was. He went over to their fans and over to their fans at the other end, pumping the air, and then the, the camera's caught in quite clearly. I'm no lip reader, but I know when somebody is yelling, get the fuck in. We don't want to drift into Mowbray, Harris, Neil Harris um, territory, do we, by complaining about people celebrating wins? No, this is true. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm no Dean Smith. All I'm saying is uh, keep it for church, Nathan. That's where you can go and yell your obscenities uh, to the skies if you wish. We don't want to hear swearing inside a football stadium. No. Absolutely wrong. 
Marcelo sort of gave out the vibe that we could have won this. Didn't feel like that on Saturday. Yeah, we could have done. They didn't really create chances particularly. It was a, a mistake that led to the goal. The second goal you can kind of discount because we were down to 10 men and chasing it and stuff. And Ailing very nearly scored. I don't know. It, it's like a lot of most games we've lost, other than the West Brom game when we were sort of soundly beaten. Most games we've lost this year could have kind of gone either way. We'd still have most possession. So it matched them for shots, more corners. Yeah, it's fine. They basically just went three at the back and smuggled Kemar Roof out of the game in a burlap sack and didn't give Harrison or Clark any space because they had wing backs that went back. So it was like a, a back five against Kemar Roof and that was never really going to work. We just couldn't couldn't find him. I think that's why uh, Matches Click ended up looking so confused. He couldn't pick the right pass because he got to the edge of the box and he just could not see Kemar Roof with these three. And I mean, whatever you think, Ryan Shawcroft... Uh, Ryan Shaw Cross, sorry, Ashley Williams, and it's uh, Martin Zindi, isn't he? Three good, decent centre backs. They're all yeah. good. We made, it, we made it very easy for them, I have to say. There were a mm. lot of balls crossed into roof, and he's, like you say, he's there about five foot nine, ten of him or yeah, something in the middle. If that. Surrounded by three giants, and it's just never really going to work, unless it's injury time and he <laughs> finds the space. Exactly. And he did a bit of a job on Bielsa, so proof that all this uh, tactical divulgence, it doesn't pay dividends every time, does it? Bielsa named his team two days before. As he does. So that's all basically anyone was really complaining about is that you know who's going to be playing if you watch training the day before a game. Bielsa just tells you. And then Jones just switches to something he's never done before. But I mean, it's not as if Bielsa has never seen a team play three at the back and wing backs before. But I think there are certain uh, setups against Bielsa where he just, well, he doesn't change his team. So even if he doesn't name it two days in advance, you know what he's going to, what team he's going to name and you know how they're going to play. And I think he kind of, uh, he relies on the skill of the players to make his system work against a system like that. And that's when you remember that actually Matches Click was bombed out to the Eredivisie last year. Pablo Hernandez, a cold Saturday in Stoke isn't always his best thing. Jack Clark's actually a child. Jack Harrison still thinks he's on holiday in New York. They w- It was up to them to kind of, it's not up to Bielsa to solve that one. It was up to the players to actually pass the ball to Kimar Roof and him to score. And they couldn't do it. I did think a game like this would have been perfect to have Saiz on the bench. Someone who could come on and provide a little bit of trickery rather mm-hmm. than bringing on another child. Which is what we were kind of, good to see him giving them a chance, but it's not ideally what you want, is it? Based on what Moscow just said, and then you said, Michael, as well, it's actually, it's about shutting down the passing, isn't it? If they stop your passing, we have very few people who can beat a man. Apart from Mm. Jack Clark can do it, but it's only one man, boy, child. And even Clark had a struggle because with them having three centre-backs, he'd go up against their winger and he'd still have Ashley Williams coming over. They they could shuffle over a centre-back, still have two in the middle. So there were two players marking roof, meant two players could go and mark him. And um, for all he is brilliant and will score the winning goal in the World Cup for England in the future, dealing with two markers at once at this age was just a bit beyond him. I'm sure we'll come on to the ref's performance in a minute. And we do sound like a set of bitter bastards when we single out referees. But first of all, a word on the goals then. Click. Silly that. Cooper first. I mean, Cooper's header wasn't great. I don't know where he intended that to go. And then Click. Click at least had a choice. Cooper was kind of like, oh, just head this into the air and it might go somewhere clear. Click was like, I will definitely put this into the danger area. It's like um, Calvin's pass in the six-yard box. Was it against Hull? Yeah, just a little bit of overplaying. I think Click forgot he was uh, facing his own goal. And Pontus, does he carry any blame? 
in the, as a whole or for the goal? Well, first of all, he got booked for for what? For looking at the ref? Uh, he did. He did get in his face. Yes, because he probably recognised he was a lead hating bastard. So he thought, "I'm going to have a shout at him," which is fair enough. Mm. But yeah, that's the sort of thing he used to do all the time, and he's cut it out to an extent. Mm, no, he has a he has a bit. <laughs> well, it was he was it Twitch that he broadcasts his gameplay in. Yes, he loves to play a bit of Counter Strike on Twitch. That's it. And he broadcast the other night, which we retweeted from the Square Ball account. Uh, the words were along the lines, and I'm roughly paraphrasing, but if they deduct us points, man, I'm going to leave this country and start a fucking war. Yes, I'd forgotten about the starting a fucking war part. Yeah, which I can only imagine is a sort of a version of what he told the referee during the Stoke match. He's been, he has been doing it a bit lately, but he's been getting away with it. I think refs have just told him to calm down, you big bozo. But this one was just straight to the cards, wasn't having it. And then the second one, who's the, I'm trying to remember the name, who's the elderly looking referee that they drag out on Sky that's now Dermot Gallagher Dermot Gallagher there he goes he is confirmed today said he was sent off for handball that's what the referee's signal is that when he fell to the ground that he shoved the ball with with his hand I think a lot of people who had a good view of it from the away end saw that's what he did but then Dermot Gallagher also said it was a ridiculous decision to send him off for that because I don't think he saw it as uh, intentional and even if it was, the referee let the play go and that should have been enough. He, he got through, he had an effort on goal that Bailey Peacock Farrell wasn't even bothered by, just saved it and that should have been that. There was no need to uh, to send any, anybody off. And if Dermot Gallagher's saying that, then it's better than this jumped up clown who, uh, who ruined our day. If, he, if it was a deliberate handball, should it not have been a straight red for denying a goal-scoring opportunity? I don't know the rules. Neither, Neither do I. We need someone who does, really. I mean, That's that ref shame. couldn't even... The the wall that he put, <laughs> it's been written down on our prep sheet, it's 12 yards at least. I've never seen a wall so far back. And you could see the Leeds players going, what are we doing here? Where are you going to pause? Absolutely ridiculous. And when you've got things like that happening, you do. Because that's easy. A referee should know... 10 yards instinctively that's not something they should be getting wrong uh, do you know what else annoyed me about that the way he draws that line watch the clip again how he draws that line he's so fucking pleased with himself <laughs> he did it in the he did it, there was a free kick he gave them or maybe it was a throw in somewhere near the halfway line as well and he did such a pleased with himself little hand movement mm. it was like a little dance move okay yes <laughs> And he just, he just wound me up. And I think that was after he'd... Well, it wasn't the ref, to be fair. It was the linesman had given them that free kick in the corner where the player did the ridiculous hurdling leap in the, with no with no challenge against him. Yeah. And that was given somehow as well. Even the way that player went down bore no relation to, like, body physics. Yeah. You can't... There's no, there's no movement that could have propelled him in no. that way. The spraying the line thing as well is just the arrogance of its own logic. It's like people could say... That's more than 10 yards. No, it is 10 yards because I've sprayed the line. So there we go. That is now 10 yards. Did you you read the thing a few weeks ago about how they they had to recalibrate the kilogram and the the actual kilogram weight that exists, that Mm -hmm. is the pure kilogram? That that referee probably thinks he's done that with 10 yards every week. (laughs) Yes, I've just recalibrated what 10 yards is and everybody all around the country is probably having... Road signs are being moved. People are changing stopping distances in cars. They're retesting them down the fucking Formula One track because they don't know how they could. Pit crews been 
I think we get. I think we run get what over. You're we, we understand the analogy. I think there. Yeah, we, we get what you mean. Well, does the referee understand the implications of his actions? He can't just change how far ten yards is willy nilly. We're gonna have to knock down the south stand to make the pitch bigger. Exactly. <laughs> I want to ask a question here. It's quite a pointed question. Do you think this is something we're going to face now from referees because of all this Spygate stuff? Never mind now. Yeah, since 1964. (laughs) No, I mean, but even more so in this run-in that there's going to be a, a, how do I want to phrase this, subconscious like bias against us. And I know we don't have the rub with many referees anyway. Yeah, again, I take issue with the word subconscious. It's just conscious bias. It's just bias. Do you really buy, I mean, seriously, do you buy into that? (sighs) Yeah, it's it's hard to say. I don't want to particularly, mm. but then you do see some ridiculous things going on, and you think you think there's not a chance that a Stoke player is getting a second yellow for what Janssen no. did. And it was a very well highlighted by somebody on Twitter put the video side by side of Janssen being sent off for that, and then uh, was it Fox not getting sent off for Nottingham Forest when he mm. took down Jack Harrison on the edge of the box? And you just put those two things together, and you just go, they fucking hate Leeds. There's no. It's the only... And even in this game, Hernandez, when Hernandez was running through and Alan clipped him, it wasn't a big touch. It Not was, even a free kick, was it? No. When it was borderline for a penalty, everybody was looking, oh, well, oh, we think we got a penalty, and then you're about, oh, no. Think, well, we should at least have a free kick, given Hernandez he definitely Hernandez touched him to... as well, because Alan was doing that thing where you point at the ball, which you only do if you've kicked the player first. Dead, <laughs> dead giveaway. Nobody sensible, apart from the likes of Martin Keown, seems to think that a points deduction is coming our way because there's no provision for it in the rules. So you just stop us from winning any more points and the the effect's the same. And you can do it a little bit more subtly, or as in this twat's case, not subtly at all. That's a big call. That the referees are going to stop us from winning any more points on the instructions of Sean Harvey. It's just a theory. Obviously, I've got no evidence that supports that. It's just something, it's a hypothetical mm-hmm. uh, theory that might stress, happen. That's your opinion. Um, it's not even my opinion. It's just, it's a possibility, isn't it? I mean, it's a possibility that Sean Harvey could wake up in the morning and his feet are being devoured by snakes. It's, everything is possible. <laughs> and all we can do is speculate. <laughs> I'm worried about what you're going to do after this. <laughs> Straight to, over to Harvey's. That's not what's in that basket over there. I definitely do not have a basket of snakes. Fans of the last podcast, it might well be a bag of kittens. <laughs> I've got, yes, they were fine, but then uh, the snakes got them. We should probably be a bit less bitter about the referee and say that Stoke did pretty well against us as well. They certainly set up right. I have to say, you've got to credit them with that. Compared to Derby, who just look like the and never seen anything like it before, despite us doing the exact same thing to them earlier in the season. And Stoke as well, on paper, they still do have a possibly the strongest team in this division. At the start of the season, we'd have looked at Stoke away and thought it's possibly the hardest game we're going to have. It's just that Gary Rowett has kind of run them into the ground and mm. turned them into a, I was going to say turn them into the, a dour negative team, but you know what I mean. A, yes. a non-winning dour Un- negative team. Undone all Tony Pulis's good work. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they are good footballers still in their, in their squad. They were due a new manager bounce. I tweeted that to the lads from the, the Stoke fanzine and it happened. just happened against us, unfortunately. To be fair, we finished the weekend though. Materially, not much worse off. I mean, it looks like West Brom, are they beating or beaten Bolton as we recording? It, is one, it was 1-0 one uh, before. I mean, Bolton have given up, haven't they? Let's face yeah, it. If they can't beat Bolton, then something's seriously Bolton, wrong. They've not been the, paid since about June or something, have they, most of their players? I'm sure they've not been... They've not been paying people. The fans were chucking stuff on yeah. the pitch. Their owner's got to the point of banning, he's banned John McGinley from commentating on them. 
which is a, a big move. John McGinley's a very like club legend there as well. So. Exactly. It's like, I mean... Like he's not, Ban Eddie Gray or something. He's not quite touched uh, Kevin Davies yet, but I'm sure that's in the works. It's still 1-0 anyway, so, you know. I mean, that's positive as well. If West Brom can only beat Bolton 1-0... What did we beat Bolton? <laughs> just popped into my mind as I said it. Anywho, we're, we're still, still... We've still got the four-point gap to third place, which is a good thing. Yeah, with one game fewer, so there were fewer points available for other teams to... Uh, to overtake us, but um, not that that will stop them because they still will. They'll still overtake us. We'll drop into the playoff places and lose to Derby at Wembley. You're still convinced that's the outcome? You're not going to accept yet that we are going up? It'll either be we lose to Derby at Wembley or I have a feeling we might now get Derby in the playoff semi-finals, beat them in the second leg at Elland Road and it'll be one of the most extraordinary, fiery, kind of raucous atmospheres that Leeds has ever known and then we'll just like, we'll lose 3-0 to, I don't know, Preston or somebody in the final. <laughs> What about you, Michael? <sighs> just commit I'm just to it. Unha- no, I'm not happy. I'm not week to week. I'm not happy. It's, football's gone back to either making or ruining my weekends. I had a nice steady patch under Chilino where I didn't have any great expectations. Even in, even in Monk with the season we were doing well, we never really looked like getting an automatic place. Whereas now dropping into the playoffs would feel like a horrible disaster. Well, now we've established that God does exist. I had a sign possibly from upstairs on the way in this evening that I need to share with you. Was it your wife? Is she locked in the toilet? Not as far as I'm aware. She (laughs) may well be, but I don't think she is. So driving in tonight, of all the playlists that Spotify could have suggested for me, do you know which one it went for? No. Have a guess. Well, I mean, all I know about your drive here is that you were so desperate for a piss that you drove your car past me at the entrance to the car park, sprinted into the building as if you were being chased by somebody wielding a bag of snakes. That's what happens, though, once you get to 40 years old. <laughs> but is that related to your playlist? Was it the sound Was it the sound of uh, Fountains of Wayne? Easy 80s. Teardrop Explodes. Other water-related songs. I can't think of the Water Boys. Was it this? No. Okay. Easy 80s. Oh, right. Right. Went for that. I hit... Shuffle play, could have played him in any order. Do you know, as I passed Ellen Road, as I passed Ellen Road on the way in, do you know what was playing? No. <laughs> Pig bag, Middlesbrough going up. Have a guess, go on. Uh, there's Nothing Like This by Omar. Incorrect. Okay. You're almost there. Do you know what it was? It was Simple Minds, Alive and Kicking. Oh, well, that was the theme music of the Premier League in 1992-93. So are we going to finish 17th? No. <laughs> It means as I passed, I passed Ellen Road. Yes, on the M six two one. That came on Premier League launch music. Oh, okay. So we're going up. I mean, that means Premier League. I think you're, you're looking. You're looking for a for a sign. That's how these. That's how religion works. Yeah. So somebody said, "Oh, I found a. I've seen a picture of Jesus in a my toast." It's a sign from God. It's like Zoe yeah, Ball was on the radio, and she used to do alive and kicking and. In fact, actually, you know, Dan might have a point because on Saturday night I turned on the television and you know what was on? Match of the day. <laughs> At this time then, when the world feels like it's against us, what do we want to do to the world? Tell it to fuck off. Absolutely right. So how are we doing that? With a mug. By the gift of mug and a T-shirt now as well. Amazing. They say on them, Leeds Carajo. Yes. Don't perhaps wear the T-shirt on holiday to Spain. <laughs> Or uh, or any Spanish-speaking countries, unless you're prepared for the consequences. <laughs> I don't know if it can land you a night in the cells, I don't you, know. You're fine. Brexit Britain. There'll be no foreign languages here soon enough. You're safe here. Yeah, you'll be fine. Go to Bridlington. You can't tell me there's anybody in Bridlington that understands what carajo means. No, so... Unless be... you bump into 
maybe Pablo and his family having a lovely a lovely day at the seaside that you ruin. Crying children. Yeah, Pablo covering their eyes. And then and then who's going to cover his? He's seen enough with those He's eyes. He's seen yeah. enough with those eyes. If you fancy getting your hands on one of those sweary mugs, definitely the sweariest mug in the office, check it out via the squareball.net on it. It just says Leeds Carajo, which means? I mean, Google it. Well, we need to get back to winning ways ASAP. That will... It will happen at Rotherham, so we'll have a look at that, the preview on the way. Heroes and villains coming up, of course, but first, do we have a little bit of Spygate fatigue now or do we still have a lot of lead in the pencil that we need to, well, upset and hurt that we need to vent? I keep trying to let go of it. I think since last time we do need to we need to talk about the press conference because that happened the day after we recorded, I think. Was that Tuesday? It was Wednesday, two Wednesday. days after, so I think so we, we, we missed all that. This. Yeah. And it was one of the most remarkable couple of hours I've ever seen the panic of it setting in of it was announced as some places at an emergency press conference and everyone thought oh emergencies aren't generally good either you rarely hear of an emergency being called and people go oh you've just won some money unless the next line is paging Dr Beats in which case it's Miami Sound Machine and it's fine it's along the lines of like if your landline rings these days isn't it that's (laughs) that's never a good thing it's either PPI or a dead relative no, p- police are at the door. Uh, okay, what's it about? Uh, they won't say. <laughs> it wasn't what I needed. I, I was. I'd just been uh, saying to someone that morning because I had quite a lot on uh, last week. And said, "No, it'll be absolutely fine as long as nothing too crazy happens in the football. That I don't need to start thinking about. This will probably be all right." And then an hour later, it was. Joe Urquhart, wasn't it, off the way? The either Urquhart, I'm not pronouncing his name right. Sorry, Joe. Under, under these circumstances, who was the one responsible for emergency press conference, wasn't he? It was one of those things where people went, he's going to resign, isn't he? And everyone went, no, he's not. Oh, oh he's done it before. Oh, yeah, the, uh, I, I instantly went and found, uh, t- I, I was trying to make myself feel better, only make myself feel worse. The uh, the press conference he he called that was similarly kind of an emergency thing to announce his resignation from the chili job. Only two hours that one. Him explaining was, why he couldn't do the job anymore. We need we need to put him in the villains really. But who was the complete prick who announced it as he is going to resign? It was sort of, Ian Mason. Was that the name? Something like that. It was. I think it's like one football was the website, which is one one of those clickbait things that you only hear about when they're going like we're we're, we're hearing that Bielsa is going to resign. It's like yes, because your mate is saying it to you so that you can say you're hearing it absolute fast. But it was at that point kind of, there was a question as to what this press conference was going to be because I don't think uh, I don't think even the club knew what Bielsa was going to say. No. There was kind of calmness coming from within the club we were hearing. People were saying, they were telling local media like it's just for him to clear up mm. Spygate. But then Bielsa being Bielsa, the way he clears that up could be by just resigning in protest at the fuss created by the whole thing. Yes, he could have just been about to put a, an effigy of Frank Lampard into a burning bin. Nobody really knew what his approach was going to be, <laughs> which in a way is kind of what he did, just in a much more long-running, serious, analytical way. He did burn an effigy of Frank Lampard and all Frank Lampard's doings by just showing everything he'd learned about Frank Lampard's Derby County. That was the lead up to that, one of the worst hours of my life, considering I was actually on air at the time. One of the worst hours of radio I think I've ever done. <laughs> but then the payoff, because once he started and once he sort of, he said at the start what he was about to do and it became apparent, as soon as I saw the photo of him standing in front of a projected 
spreadsheet with all Derby County's fixtures on it, and then his desktop with all the uh, all the video clips. I got it then. He's just going to do a big presentation about what he does, and then you're able to just kind of lean back and just go, "Thank you, Marcelo." And then you you hear what he's talking about, and he says he's spied on every team. I was going to say, Britain. didn't start brilliantly when he said that. I thought, oh no! <laughs> Given your recent analogy there about the police at the door, Bielsa is very much showed himself as a man who'll confess to the policeman would arrive at his door, and he'd start spouting about how he parked in a disabled bay once, and yeah. the policeman would be like, it's, it's not about that, sir. There's just been just there was a neighbour broken into. Again. <laughs> well, be that, that as it may, that was me as well. <laughs> Never before, can I just say, never before have I been so pleased to see a 60-odd-year-old man delivering a PowerPoint in the Spanish language. Good God. It was wonderful as well. And what his whole his whole point of it was to say, I do all this work and it's inherently useless anyway, so I gain nothing from spying on teams as well. So if I just stop that, the only effect will be I'll be a little bit more anxious about not having done it but it's pointless for me to be anxious anyway because all of this is stupid. The the best part of it is when the uh, uh, one of the other coaches starts demonstrating all the footage they've got of Derby taking their corner kick routines and set piece routines, um, and showing that they've they've collated every every permutation of how they take a corner. And Bielsa just interrupts and says, "Of course, this is all useless because we concede half our goals from set pieces anyway." It's absolutely fantastic that it's on the one hand he is delivering a lecture with the depth of, I don't care what Frank Lampard says, Guardiola came out afterwards and said, that's what he does. He does it more intensely than anybody else. And then on the other hand, he's saying, but it really doesn't matter. None of this matters. And if you want to hang me for doing this, you're hanging me for basically doing something that has never helped me. And I'm loath to give you any credit whatsoever, Moscow, but you did call it absolutely spot on last time when you said it was all... Uh, the whole Spygate thing was just all a, a data requiring exercise because that data exists and he feels obliged to go collect it. Yeah, there is nothing in the rules, as it keeps being repeated, against watching a team train from a public path. So he says, right, if there's nothing to stop us from doing it, we'll just go and do it. If it's not useful, we just won't even open that report or just glance at it and says, what does it say, right, couldn't see anything, they were training 100 yards away. Fine, at least, you know, we've covered that, we've seen what we could get out of it, we got nothing. Back to wasting our 360 hours on the, on these corner kick routines that do us no good. It showed him in a really good light, I think, as well, because he, he's one of the few football managers to, while showing the amount of effort and work he will put into it, is also willing to acknowledge it is pointless. Mm-hmm. As are most jobs, let's be <laughs> honest. Very few people are willing to admit that, you know, what I do really isn't making a great deal of difference. Mm. But he was just like, we do all this work, there's hundreds of hours, all these people... What difference does it really make? And it's look, a game, isn't it? And looking at his uh, his character and the things he talks about and what he's done with his wages at Leeds, so we know he's being paid around two million quid by Leeds. He's done. He's given three million dollars, so it's two million quid plus to Newells to build a training facility that he says is a debt that he owes them. So he's essentially working for Leeds for free this season. But he's going to this effort because, as he said, this is what we think we have to do to be professional to earn every last penny that Leeds are paying him. So he's one of the highest paid highest paid coach in our history at Lille. He was being paid something like seven million quid. But even after he'd been uh, sacked by Lille, there's a famous photograph of him sitting in a restaurant with his laptop watching their game on the stream that's being played live just to see how it turns out because he prepared them for that game and then he was banned from watching it. So every last penny that is 
that he's negotiated for in his contract, he will earn. And then you compare it to fucking Neil Warnock. Yeah, per who, hour he is paid less than Neil Warnock. Yes, I imagine. exactly. And Warnock, who remember Warnock making his substitutions by phone because he was listening on the radio because he couldn't be asked going to a fucking FA Cup match when his manager of Leeds pretended to be ill. And it was the same with training. Hardly ever attended training because he was just at home leaving it to fucking Kevin Blackwell. And then you see, obviously, there is. I think Pochettino, who was one of his uh, kind of disciples and grew up with him, says says now I think at Premier League clubs we might do even more than what Bielsa is talking about because we have access to more information but he's still at that level and so and for, take it back to the start of the season when Steve Evans was going like oh we'll see how he gets on at a, a cold winter's night at the New York Stadium in Rotherham shall we fucking Bielsa has got blueprints of every fucking square inch of the New York Stadium in Rotherham he knows how deep the foundations go he knows the capacity of the fucking T-bars he's worked it all out while Steve Evans even when he was fucking manager of Rotherham probably didn't know which way was north <laughs> it's that uh, level of detail but I think the fallibility that's gone with it all as well that makes him so lovable uh, Michael I want to ask you as well, so these teams, because we're talking there about it not being illegal to watch from a path, these teams have all written to the Football League seeking what we will say is full disclosure. Not points deduction, it's full disclosure. What do you think of them? Big crying, fucking (laughs) snivelling babies. (laughs) Stop being pathetic. It's happened. We've already said it won't happen again. Just fuck off. (laughs) Go worry about something else. Some of the teams on it as well, they've got your own problems. QPR have had the cheeks complaining. Oh, about a billion pounds from financial fair play stuff still. We've missed one off this list. Uh, Millwall are one of the teams who've written. And they were really, for, uh, we've got the quotes from Neil Harris um, saying, in all my years in football, I've never seen anything like it. I think it's completely disrespectful to all other teams and the spirit of a game in this country. The fact you don't think you've done anything wrong is disappointing. Neil Harris, he's, he's very keen about this country. And earlier in the season when we equalised against him as well, he said, um, well, I'll, I'll let you, do, given your, given your end character. Their, their reaction to the goal was completely over the top and it's a disgrace in English football. Holding, upholding English values. So obviously they're going to be the first to stick the boot in and that's what it is. The EFL has said, we are investigating this. What's the point in sending it? Well, we think you should investigate it properly. Thanks, lads. If I was fucking Sean Harvey, I'd be more annoyed at them now, wasting his time with this pointless letter. Oh, you should investigate it thoroughly. What do you think we're doing? Well, Sean... We've we've seen your work previously. Do a proper a proper job in that. From that respect, I can kind of sympathise with the clubs, kind of insisting that Sean Harvey yeah. actually fucking does it. Someone I saw somebody mentioning today actually that the Championship is a very unhappy league. If you think about last season, we had Leeds kicking off. We were kicking off about Wolves potentially breaking actual rules about third party ownership and working with agents and stuff. And then you've got all the everybody up in arms about the FFP stuff. Why aren't you investigating Bolton? Why haven't you sorted out stuff with Lucy Ward case? You've got the half the clubs are led by Leeds in revolt over the uh, broadcasting deals. Everybody kind of thinks that Sean Harvey's a twat and should just leave. And then this on top, it's almost a classic Sean Harvey, uh, Sean Harvey ship that's sailing into these, um, well, an iceberg probably, knowing him, <laughs> in the shape of Ken Bates' head. Yeah, full disclosure sounds kind of like, do you think, a low-rent 80s courtroom drama. You could imagine this, couldn't you? I think it sounds like um, an erotic thriller starring Shannon Tweed <laughs> on Channel 5. And Marcelo Bielsa. <laughs> the pensive Argentinian. Yes, cracking out his uh, 
projecting a spreadsheet on the wall with all her um, vital statistics. Younger, young listeners won't remember the uh, many erotic thrillers that were the staple of Channel 5 in its early days. Do you yeah. think Marcelo Bielsa, part of his video vaults, <laughs> he's got every game that's ever been played in South America and it's just a section for the Red Shoe Diaries. <laughs> it's very easy to hide stuff within this collection. I said, when you checked what's in those boxes, you're going to say, oh yeah, I've, I've, I've worked it out so I can watch two football matches simultaneously. Ah, that's what they think. It's clearly all football matches though, isn't it? Salim, lock the door. <laughs> I mentioned court anyway because you get the feeling that if they were to be daft enough to try and deduct us points, that Leeds United would go mega legal on this. Yeah, I and mean, we'd have every reason to. There's no actual rule against it. The whole thing has been so ridiculously prejudiced by by the many statements by multiple owners and people involved in this that it'd be impossible for anything like a fair hearing to be had anyway. That Bristol City chump, yeah. their owner. Um, whose chief executive, the guy he employs, is on the EFL board saying that we should have a points deduction. What's that guy from uh, Bristol City on the board going to say? Uh, yeah, don't think a points deduction. Well, that's not what your boss was saying last week. Mm, okay, yeah, points deduction, fine. It's just, it's f- ridiculous. And you can't have this many opinions floating around from people with vested interests. It's fine for... Uh, if Millwall want to be part of a letter sending it to Sean Harvey and saying, please do a thorough job, but then in the press, shut the fuck up. The good faith rule is it's such a ridiculously loose rule. What if we go into Swansea now and offer them £3 million for this Daniel James character and they go, yeah, go on then. And we went, oh, we, we, were, we did say we'd go up as high as five. We'll give them five. Yeah. That's the good thing to do. That's the, that's the right moral thing to do. We don't want to underpay for him, do we? No. We're all agreed, aren't we? And, and yeah, you know, the Stoke player diving in the corner, Stoke should really come out and apologise for that because that's not in good faith. That would be good faith. And some they should uh, maybe offer to replay that game because uh, Pontus Janssen's red card, if that hadn't happened, he could have blocked that cross for the final goal, 1-1 draw, and completely different. So the the circumstances, they should say, yeah, we recognise that referee wasn't very good. Is it out of good faith with Leeds? We want to have a good relationship with them going forward. Let's play that match we've again. Had, we've had a few players injured as well. They should really wait wait for our injured players to become fit again to make it a good fair a good fair fight. But the January transfer window, there's still 10 days of that left. We could sign this Daniel James character and we'd have a, a much stronger team. So surely Stoke and Rotherham as well, they should be delaying the games until we've signed these players and we're ready to play them. The whole point with that, the good faith thing, is that because it's undefined, you can't start now weaseling specific things that are in and specific things that are not. Can yeah. you? you can't make up a rule and apply it no. retrospectively. It's just a ludicrous, broad rule, which is doesn't stand up to any scrutiny. Which nobody probably thought would ever need to be invoked. It's fine. I'll just put something in there about all the teams have got to respect each other and act in good faith, and it'll be fine. Nobody thinks it's ever going to come up. But then when they're desperately looking for something to actually charge Leeds with, it's like, mm. uh, all we've got left is this good faith thing. Book them, Danny. It's the sort of soft shit you expect to see in like an under-12s league. You know, just everyone be nice to each other. Below it, there'll be a subsection about parents not swearing or something. Yeah. It's that sort of pathetic thing. That it's a competitive sport, and the fact that it's not nice is really a lot of the appeal of it. And it's, <laughs> how far does that good faith thing extend? Does it extend to the supporters? Should we all be holding hands in the stands and singing nice songs about each other? Applauding each other's substitutions and... Jolly good goal, Stoke... Well played. I mean, the only... It's going to be time-wasting, but let's not get too cross. The only example of good faith... <laughs> There's faults on both sides here. <laughs> the only example of good faith in that match on Saturday was uh, Matches Click 
heading the ball into the path of their player. Oh, I think you guys should have the lead. Here you go. Have the ball. See the if pro- you can... Yeah, exactly. Back to the Corinthian spirit. It's just ridiculous. To be fair, there is an interesting angle on Norwich is that while they are complaining on the one hand, Daniel Fark, their actual manager, has been out in the press saying that he wouldn't watch somebody else's training sessions and he doesn't think that's right to do. But also he doesn't think it's a big deal. He said, like, he's kind of back to be elsewhere up in a way, saying there's not a lot you would gain. And if you're 100 metres away, you probably can't tell the players apart anyway. And nobody comes up with a new like significant tactic in training on a Thursday or Friday that you won't have seen in a game already. So he's like, it's fine as far as he's concerned. Meanwhile, Delia's going, absolutely, she's going to have Marcelo's giblets in her oven. Christ. (laughs) What an image. Let's move on then, on to more positive matters. And we touched on Daniel James. There, um, they are exotic Spanish winger from uh, where is he from? Beverly. Yeah, Uh, that was it. He is the key. He won't go away as a rumour. I think that's probably the right way to put it. Have you seen what uh, their striker Ollie McBurney once of this parish? Yes. Um, well, allegedly a Leeds fan as well. He said today that he's going to lock this Daniel James in a cupboard and not let him leave. And he's told him that he has to stay. But he also called him DJ. That's not good faith, is it? No, it's not. You can't Lock it, locking a player in a cupboard. I mean, that can't be good for his career development either. That certainly looks like it's very much on. Also, big rumours of a number 10. Premier League loan, apparently, if we are to believe the rumours. Are there any names in the frame? I haven't heard this. Nope. Sounds so, like a clickbait story. Yeah, so you... Premier League number 10 could be on his way to Leeds. Click here to not, not find out. Well, I suspect the Premier League number 10 will be number 10 in our squad for that position anyway, rather than an actual number 10 from the Premier League. I suspect his number might start in the 30s or 40s. But still, we do need someone like that. Because Pablo's not been quite right recently. And plus, we could put Pablo back on the wing and put Harrison back to Manchester. Out to pasture. <laughs> I think that would be that would be good. He's all trying. He's a, he's a young man. He's trying. Tr- he's trying. Although with that in mind, if we have DJ, um, he might be taking that place on the wing anyway. So Hernandez maybe because Hernandez always played better at ten if he had Saez. Well, better on the pitch if he had Saez with him. So somebody who can actually run a bit and has a bit of life. Whether it's DJ, whether it's Izzy Brown, if he continues coming back, just somebody around Pablo who can do a bit of the. Uh, Did we check the of end running. of the? Um... Reserve game. I, I assume Izzy Brown has gone off injured. Well, as we get into that, it is worth pointing out that this was Kiko Casillas' proper debut. Uh, last week he was at the Bernabeu. This week, Tad Castro Albion. But what a crowd. 2,900 people at our under-23s cup match. I hope somebody's asked Kiko, have you, have you ever known an atmosphere like that, Kiko? <laughs> and I hope he was polite enough to say no. And I was pleased to laugh. hear he was shouting at the um, defence in English, though, apparently. That's more than uh, Bailey Peacock-Farrell does. He just we stares at them in silence. We didn't touch from the Stoke game, actually. Bailey Peacock-Farrell not being bothered about being shouted at by Pontus Janssen. Absolutely beautiful. Just turned away from him. Did you see the, the video I made of that? Uh, no. Oh, with, Well, this is a sequel. Uh, a sequel to your hate-mongering <laughs> video trying to damage a young man's morale before he's even got his career up and going. This is the video you released in the summer. Absolutely 100. No, it was before he made his debut when I was saying perhaps Heckenbottom needs to protect him, bear in mind that he looked like he couldn't catch a balloon at York and that people who had never seen him play were saying we should throw him in as a replacement for Vipal. And what what was the thrust of your video? It was he will never succeed at Leeds and I want him out. No, it was that perhaps he may not be ready and we should protect his young puppy dog 
face. And that's before I realised that actually I'd not seen his reaction to any of those goals at York when I presume he just didn't even notice. He conceded them, come off the pitch, like, good 3-0 win today. Lads, another clean sheet in the bag. And was looking at him like, what about the three that just bounced into your goal? They don't count. Yeah, the sequel to that, I set it to the music, a soupy fur animal song of uh, You're doing that a little, a little bit too much for my liking at the minute. Setting things to music? Yeah. Well, I mean, the Titanic meme has never gone out of fashion and I like to feel I'm developing it. You did a Wigfield one earlier in the season, so... Yes, developing it, improving it. Um, Wigfield makes ev- everything better. But yeah, Saturday it, night? What's on on Saturday night? Match of the day. Omens. Another sign. Yeah, there were, there were a few finer moments in the Stoke game than uh, than Janssen yelling at Bailey Peacock Farrell and him just turning his back and marching in the other direction. <laughs> and you can see, if you look at Janssen's face as he is walking away, the pure rage in his eyes, like, one, he's already angry about whatever he felt that Bailey Peacock Farrell had done wrong. Then two, and now he's fucking ignoring me as well. It's Don't you walk away from me. Yeah. yeah. I'm your father. Come back here. Never mind starting a war over a points deduction. He's going to start a war on Bailey Peacock Farrell at some point. Do you think Kiko Casilla has come to sit on the bench and will he replace Bailey Peacock Farrell? That's all he did at Madrid, sit on the bench, so I don't see why it should be like any a Spanish, different Spanish um, Stuart Taylor. Yes. Just loves it there. No, he's, he's surely going to play from this weekend, I would mm. guess. I wonder if it depends on Peacock Farrell like making having a, a bad game, so it gives Bielsa the opportunity to say that's the one where you're out. But then, now. It but then we're potentially three points worse off. And also, the longer that Bielsa leaves it before putting him in, the longer it leaves Bailey Peacock Farrell to arrange to have uh, Casillas's leg broken, as he hypothetically did with <laughs> Jamal Blackman. Uh, coincidentally, of course, so that could happen as well. It's a the more under-23 games Casilla plays, the more chance uh, Bailey Peacock-Farrell has of just staying in the team. People who encountered uh, Bamford said that he was going to be back for the Norwich game, all being well. That's good. And then uh, Berardi. <sighs> hmm. yeah. See, that that gives me some fear for the, uh, the Bamford comeback as well, because Bamford's already come back, got injured again. Easy Brown's come back got injured again and had a setback. And then Berardi started for the under-23s in this game at Tadcaster tonight, off before half-time with an injury. Maybe that's why this number 10 from the Premier League, maybe this is why we're never going to find out who it is. Spare parts. Just going to break him apart, take what they need. Yeah. Slip a bit into Pat, bit into Izzy, bit into Gitano. I think Tano just takes what he wants from uh, from whoever's coming in. But it wasn't, club. it's worth saying with Berardi, he wasn't, too injured because he did boot the dugout on the way off. Apparently. Yeah, which is I imagine Tadcaster will be billing us for. I don't know if it'll be repairable. We'll probably have to close the stadium down. <laughs> but it's a shame because uh, I was hoping he'd be back for the Rotherham game and be able to uh, meet out whatever justice he feels is necessary against his Bet Noir, the team from from the Rother Valley, who he never has a good time against. They're always trying to rearrange his face. He needs to rearrange their testicles forthwith. I don't think playing or not playing is going to have any bearing on that whatsoever. He'll still do it. There's one chuckle brother left. He's got his eyes on him. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. 
That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And we will get on to Rotherham shortly. But first of all, this, one of our favourite bits of the podcast because it involves finger pointing and celebrating people as well. Though Heroes and Villains first, Villains, the Ken Bates Villainy Award conceived to award to somebody who's made us feel sad. Ken Bates always gets a nomination. Why is he having one this time? What a guy. Today, the day we are recording, is apparently the 14th anniversary of the day that he took over Leeds United Football Club. And still, my hate for him has not subsided and will never subside until I am dancing on his grave. There are adults in the world who only really remember the Leeds United Ken Bates created. That's a sad thought. I have to say, it's probably the lowest I've ever been as a Leeds fan, the whole Bates era. I hated it. And from the moment, it was just too much Chelsea. Well, ironically, it is known as Blue Monday today, isn't it? The most depressing day of the year. Seems fitting somehow. I believe that was instituted 14 years ago. They made this date. will forever be remembered, associated with Ken Bates, insisting that we're going to have a lower, 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 which was a lie. I've got the to fir- save Leeds United. The first of many lies. And while we are a full week on from Spygate, it feels like there are still some late runners and riders who we need to give a nod to. I'd like to nominate Robbie Savage for uh, supporting Marcelo Bielsa and mm. um, making me agree with him. I don't yeah. ever want to be in a position where I'm actually agreeing with Robbie Savage about something. Gary Neville as well. There's a few. Like, I'm quite comfortable living in a world where me and Dean Saunders are on opposite sides of an argument. But when suddenly you're like, Hark, is that Robbie Savage I can hear coming to back me up? I don't know if Robbie Savage is... That was an invitation to do your impression of him, you Oh, yeah, 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 <laughs> It's just general noise. Um, <laughs> it's one of my favourite sounds in the world when you do it. <laughs> I hate it when he does it. He was described as a honking goose, wasn't he? By, I can't remember who it was now, but I saw that somewhere. I can only think with Savage that he's seen the, the swell of opinion amongst other good, honest ex-pros like himself and has thought, I'm a controversial man, I'm going to go the opposite. He's kind of thought, well, this will annoy Oh, we got Barrick, Big Keon. <laughs> Keon is my other nomination out of the back of all this, just because one, everything he says as a pundit just sounds like it's or he's been saying it for a hundred years as soon as he starts speaking. Two, because he has been going on and on 
and on about this. I don't know whether it's people keep asking him for his opinion, whether people he keeps phoning people up to give his opinion, or just he started giving his opinion and he has naturally stopped. People just like get a fader and and tune it up and down. It's Martin Keon still going on about. Well, I think it's disgraceful and it's uh, it's terrible. And Michael Brown kicked that ball at me that one time, and we just don't want it in the English game. And I remember when George Graham had us drilled with a an offside trap, and we never asked what those brown envelopes were in his office. So I don't see why this should be allowed to stand. They just got bloody on and on and on. One, he should never be allowed near a radio because he's got nothing interesting to say in his Face awful radio now. voice. And two, he should never be allowed near a television because he frightens the children. And three, he should not be allowed to talk about Leeds United because uh, because of points one and two. And I, he shouldn't be allowed to talk about fair play because of fucking George Graham. I suspect his dislike of Leeds goes some way back to, it might have been the 90s, was it, when we were singing the songs, Keown is an ugly sea bomb. But we sound like about Yapstam as well, so it's, you know... And do you think Keown disagrees fundamentally with it? Or do you think he, do you think he looks in the mirror and goes, I'm not bad, am I? For my age? Still doing all right? Better than Steve Bold on a good day? Add um, Dean Saunders to this list as mm-hmm. well. Not particularly because he's fairly insignificant, but just if anyone heard his cringeworthy attempts to speak to Phil Hay on TalkSport, where he, he attempted to argue, even in non-league, he was doing all this. I think, as is the case with a lot of people giving an opinion on this, they've not looked into it at all. People giving an opinion on Bielsa's press conference hadn't watched it at all, hadn't looked at any of the content in it. Saunders just heard the word analysis, and when I did that... Yep, a couple of work experience kids with a laptop, yep. wasn't it? Yep, it's like Bielsa's got a team of... 20 people. 20 people like who do this full-time and have done this full-time for a long time, and Dean Saunders seemed to think like it was the, exa- it was the exact same thing as I had. Yeah. It's a bit like, he'd probably be like, I've got a computer. And NASA are saying they've got all these computers. I've got a computer at home. Well, that's it. I mean, you could give me a set of watercolours, but I'm not going to knock out a Picasso, am I? No. And Saunders is just indicative. He's really, he's taking the, the brunt of this for a whole slew of managers with this weird inferiority complex who've all come out and gone, well, we do all that. Even though you've got Pep Guardiola saying no one had this sort of data. Mm-hmm. And that's fucking Pep Guardiola saying that. That's not Dean Saunders who's managed... Doncaster, I think, were the best club he's ever managed. And he did that badly. And he did that badly. Exactly. Yeah. He had all that analysis, which those two 16-year-old lads had <laughs> knocked out for him. They, they had a really good computer, though, those kids. Oh, it, went, it had Windows XP on it and everything. It was, re, it was right up to date. He had all that, and he still couldn't win a poxy game for, for Doncaster. Pathetic. We've got the Stoke City ref down as well, who couldn't mm. analyse a, a ruler. <laughs> That's my objection to him. Inability yeah. to judge distances. We, mm-hmm. we should knock Frank Lampard back on it as well, probably, just for continuing to talk about it as well. Yeah, because we didn't deal with his whole uh, passive-aggressive reaction to Bielsa's press conference, which he said as well he hadn't seen it. When he swaggered into the uh, the media room after they'd beaten uh, Southampton, did they win on penalties or was it? So they won on penalties in the League Cup? No, it was FA, FA Cup. Cup replay, wasn't it? Taking his jacket off and going like, oh yeah, I'm going to do my analysis now. Yeah, yeah. Funny that, isn't it? Uh, When he really has no idea who he's up against. He just still doesn't know. And yes, the whole binning off the fullback that Jack Clark ran rings around, sent him back on loan to Aberdeen and bringing in Ashley Cole to solve his left back problem. That's how the analysis has worked for him. He's he's run all the numbers from the 2003-04 season. And he's come up with Ashley Cole. Has been he's run player. all the numbers from his phone book. That's what he's done. He's gone, oh, who have I got that's a mate that can help me? And if he wants to present him as part of the vanguard of new young British coaches who can perhaps make a, a contribution to world football like Marcelo Bielsa has done, 
then you don't start it by just going, oh, I think I need a better left back than that kid. So I'll just ring Ashley, see what he's doing. It just lacks any imagination style. If you want to talk about class in the English game, just go in and get in some 30 or 8 year old who thought he'd retired in LA already is now just going to spend three months in Derby. It's not long-term planning and it just, it exposes. We were talking just before about how Marcelo Bielsa earns every last penny of whatever club or country is paying him for his work. Frank Lampard isn't doing anything at Derby County to help Derby County long-term. He's helping himself to try and get a job in the Premier League. Ashley, if you, you know, help me get Derby promoted, because once I'm in the Premier League, I might have a shot at the Man United job if Solskjaer don't want it. That's where he's fucking thinking. Whereas Marcelo Bielsa has no... He doesn't stay at clubs very long, but he doesn't have another job in mind. He's not thinking about the next job. He is 100%. How do I give everything I've got to Leeds? Is there a minute in this day that I have not contributed to making some 15-year-old at the academy better so that when I'm gone, that will still continue? What good is fucking signing? What's his fucking... What's it, what's it even fucking called, that... Potty, Ashley Cole. Ashley fucking Cole. <laughs> Might as well go and get... Um, well, you could, he could reunite all the lads who went to Ianapa uh, in uh, the hashtag lads who went to Ianapa in, was it 2000, 2001, and had a right old time by okay. the uh, by the looks of it. They were reminded of other things that he was involved in as well, um, and Jody Morris. The, um, they were disciplined Steady. for... No, they were, this is a fact. They were disciplined for... Um, you know, I actually... So to keep on the right side of the law, I uh, I wrote down a quote from a newspaper report oh, at the time. That's fine then. That drunkenly abusing grieving Americans sneered and laughed at grieving relatives mm. after um, yeah the New York attacks and they, they have Chelsea were on a trip there and they were all just pissed up. I remember it well. And what has uh, been neglected throughout this whole thing with Derby, which somebody pointed out on, to me on Twitter and just reminded me. Frank Lampard's assistant manager at Derby County is Jody Morris. Yes. So if you want to talk about standards in, in football, he is still, as far as I'm aware, legally, he signed a non-disclosure agreement after leaving Leeds because of everything that went on. There was um, allegations of... Shenanigans. Should we call it shenanigans? Yes, let's call uh, it shenanigans. If he's not legally allowed to talk about it, I think we have to be very careful as well. <laughs> but who gets to agree? Well, people are writing... a uh, an article about his career. He says, and then he moved from Chelsea and then he had three months at Leeds United where uh, he is legally not allowed to speak about what went on. And then he got the assistant manager's job with Frank Lampard. It's just, these people are fucking horrible and they're installing themselves as the moral guardians of football, whereas Marcelo Bielsa is as close to a saint as a human being can possibly be. And they're lambasting him as if he's besmirched their good name. And Lampard has followed up now with, um, after the other week, when he was basically denying that Mourinho had ever spied on people, even though his assistant from the time said, I used to do this yeah. all the time. It's time quite nicely this week as well, because Mourinho's chosen to retell the story of him being in the laundry hamper for the mm-hmm. Chelsea's Champions League game. A game that he was banned for, a proper ban. Not, no, this wasn't a thing, he probably shouldn't be there, but he was. He was definitely not allowed to be there, but he was in the stadium and Frank... I imagine he'll just deny this ever happened. I'll claim a laundry basket spoke to him and it was not his... <laughs> he, he was unaware of any wrongdoing. It wasn't quite like people have reported. Maybe the voice of God just lurking in a laundry basket. Listen, we need to move on probably from this one, I think, because we're in danger of retreading old ground. But Well, we haven't mentioned as well Derby County's job advert over the weekend for a data analyst, Wonderful, uh, which yeah. went up and has... Uh, I checked for it again today. That now page is showing up... Uh, 
they've withdrawn that advert. I think because they had a, a lot of applications from the Leeds area <laughs> with people perhaps not necessarily with the qualifications they were seeking. Returning to the Villainy Awards, it feels only natural since we gave it to Frank Lampard Sr. last week that mm. we don't want to deny, deny his son the same honour this week. Is that fair? No, because he'll get it. It'll just, I, I everything like, he's ever had is just a hand-me-down from his fucking family anyway. He's never had to fight for anything or work for anything hard in his entire life. So he'll have that award anyway. It'll just, it's fine. So he's already got it by extension. I feel like Keown's never been really involved before. No. And I, and I always hated him. A fresh face, if you like. <laughs> Every Anything but... <laughs> Because he was a big part of uh, when Alan Smith first broke into the team. It was uh, Smith versus Keon and Adams almost every time we played them, which I'm sure is a contributing factor in this. He keeps seeing seeing that, having a go at his, uh, his drunken fucking centre-back partner. <laughs> Which is another, uh, another thing we need to take into account whenever Martin Keown's laying down the law on their morality that he played in central defence with a fucking drink driver. Never had a problem then, did he? So Martin Keown for a, a long life of hypocrisy and boredom. And it must be said, being an ugly <laughs> <laughs> That was the chant. That was the chant. Shall we pick ourselves an Andy Hughes hero, recognition of somebody who's brought us some joy this last week? I want to go Lamrani. I noticed um, a further picture of him grinning in a press conference. I think he's been working on the pecs as well. Not just the arms anymore. It's quite a beautiful man. It's all coming out there. Quite a beautiful man. Been working on the emojis as well. Did you see mm. his... Yeah, that's, uh, what me, that's, that's what he's really nominated for. Just his his low-key, I don't know what you'd call it, just just pointing out certain things mm. is all he's doing. With the... Um, With a little thinking face, a little... Mm. Mm, that's funny, isn't it? When I looked into... Because obviously Slim Lamrani has a, a track record with Bielsa and is, he's written a lot. He's an academic, so he, he writes a lot about the... Uh, um, we don't need that in the English game. We don't. He writes about the US-Cuba relations. And some of I had a look at what he's written about Marcelo Bielsa historically and spent a long time reading a long essay outlining every refereeing grievance from uh, Bielsa's time at Marseille that, uh, according to Lamrani, he totted up how many points that cost him and worked out that they would have been, uh, I think, just a point off winning the league if this hadn't have happened instead of finishing fourth. So when it comes, so when he started doing this on Sunday of just highlighting on Twitter every sort of video of a refereeing decision going against Leeds, I think that'll just be the edge of a, of the iceberg with what Lamrani has, uh, has actually totted up. If you thought Bielsa's lecture last week was impressive, wait until we get to the end of the season and Lamrani is able to do his own and just stand up and uh, said, right, now I have proved to you the uh, the conspiracy that uh, the US hegemony holds over Cuba. Now I will show you the conspiracy that the uh, Sean Harvey hegemony uses to keep Leeds United down. I bet his PowerPoint will have like animations in it and stuff like that. It'll be kind of next level stuff. It'll probably end up with us all in the woods, um, like Che Guevara mounting a... <laughs> military coup upon the uh, football league headquarters that's where I'm and I will be right behind I was going to say to be fair I don't think we're far off anyway are we well if those were the metaphorical two fingers at the whole Spygate thing we had a literal two fingers probably worth giving a mention to Stewie Dallas for if you haven't seen these yet the photographs that the Mirror a newspaper in England took of the Leeds players training at Thorpe Arch Stuart Dallas caught wind of it flicked the V's at them I mean we could have nominated the Mirror for the amongst the many Villains of this I forgot that <laughs> happened actually Let's go and take some photos But we and, know it doesn't matter So we're not going to be hypocrites about this And what I liked about Stuart Dallas's response to this Because a few players When they said uh, in the report It says when the players spotted us I think that probably they will have gone Oh we haven't got a reaction We need to get a reaction Lads Lads We're here 
So a few of the players did uh, what I like to call the binoculars, the matches click popularised at the end of the Derby game. They said that uh, I think Barry Douglas started filming them with a GoPro and all this kind of stuff. Stuart Dallas just turned around and stuck two fingers up in the air at them. If fucking Frank Lampard had just done that 10 days ago before any of this nonsense happened, we wouldn't be where we are. It's the perfect response. Just t- as I said last week, tell them to fuck off. Stuart Dallas got the message. Up yours. Obviously, Marcelo has to be a hot favourite for retaining his crown, his Hero of the Week award last time, because this time he delivers a beautiful PowerPoint and turned all our feelings from absolute wild panic into unbridled joy. He shouldn't do it again, though. Don't come out with something. Just have a press conference, fine. Call it an emergency press conference. It's a definite I'm not leaving press conference. Emergency tactical press conference. Yeah. I'm having yes. a press conference to discuss the whole Spygate issue without resigning. <laughs> Definitely. I won't change my mind halfway through either. I mean, do you think I mean when, it. Do you think when he hears this, this, this might be the, the thing that persuades him if he retains this award? I imagine Lamrani sits faithfully translating every word of this to him. <laughs> and for that, I'm, I'm, I'm more tempted to award it to Lamrani this week because Bielsa could have gone in for villain just for that hour where he basically played our heartstrings like an old guitar. And there's a good two hours of productivity that was lost across the Leeds economy when that was going on because everyone was just sat refreshing Twitter going, oh God, oh, actually Pontus needs to be on this list as well because he was the one that broke the news that kind of calmed everyone down mm. when he when he retweeted the guy saying he was leaving to say, oh, is it April 1st in your office? Yeah, that was pretty Everyone good. kind of went, oh, right, well, Pontus it's, probably knows. Pontus thinks he's staying, that's cool. Um, but yeah, Bielsa was a bit borderline. I did not need those two hours. And having spoken, you've just made me think, we talked about him earning every last penny from a club. He probably now needs to think about his next year's wages going back into the Leeds economy, just to try and make up the shortfall of what he actually cost the city um, and the region as a whole. But he's still a hero. Yeah, I want to give it Lamirani this week, mainly because I fear the repercussions of his biceps if we don't give him an award at some point. The essay about all the Marseille refereeing conspiracies was absolutely fantastic. Really love, uh, really love your work, Salim. Uh, please don't punch us. And, you know, we will follow you into the into the military assault against Sean Harvey's bunker, just as long as you go first, because you're considerably stronger than any of us. Don't know about you, lads, but I quite hope that we win on Saturday. Fancy that? Yeah. It would be on. nice. I'm, I'm up for winning a match. It feels much better when you win. That's what I've discovered this weekend. I mean, maybe this is the game where Jack Harrison rips it up going back to New York. Yes, the New York Stadium, you may feel right at home. We have to beat Rotherham. They are actually dead bottom of the league, aren't they? There can't be a team worse than them. Is it I think Bolton? Ipswich are probably worse. Had a look, and they are 21st. Yeah, they're just about bottom, but not quite. And, that's about, and they're getting worse as well. I looked through their form, and sort of over autumn and Christmas, they were drawing a lot of games, and now they've started losing a lot of games, and that's not a good sign for a team. Yeah, they lost five of their last six. The 21st in a division that's got Ipswich and Bolton as well. Ipswich, who have been down since about the second game of the season. Much to Mick McCarthy's amusement. Bolton, who aren't paying their players. And then Reading, who've got Lewis Baker. What is a good to note about Rotherham, though, is that one of their two wins since the middle of September was against Derby. Who? Frank Lampard's Derby <laughs> County. All right. <laughs> that them specifically... <laughs> I know there's a chance that we may become like bitter and obsessed about uh, about what goes on at the baseball ground these days, but um, <laughs> I am very pleased that that's one of the teams that uh, Rotherham have beaten, especially if it means that they miss out on the playoffs or something by three points. I'm sorry, I'm just extrapolating my fantasy about Frank Lampard in pain. One thing we found from uh, doing this section, 
repeatedly now is we don't know very much about football. <laughs> no, especially not about Rotherham. I did do my usual thing. I had a look at who scored.com, but I can only assume that they're that bad that they've just deleted the page. There's nothing really to say about Rotherham, nothing, no interesting. I could, interesting things I could glean about them. They're just really, really shit at football. They lost 7 0 to Manchester City in the FA Cup. I don't care how good Manchester City are. No second division level team should be losing 7 0 to a, a first division team in the FA Cup. It's just not on. We would not lose 7 0 to Manchester City if we played them. We'd beat them. Do you remember when Bielsa was saying earlier in the season that he uh, he goes to sleep at night? He says, every night when I go to sleep, I imagine my team is beating Liverpool. Um, this Leeds United team beating Liverpool. And I think we would not lose 7-0 to Manchester City. Probably not. We would not. We would not, not necessarily this beat them. Not this season, but maybe next, depending on how things go. Do you know what I always associate with Rotherham? I always associate it with the old ground where they had the scrapyard next to the stadium. So it makes me think of a scrapyard. Yes, with the, uh, the the cranes in the background, very picturesque, certainly for those parts. I mean, they're still, they're, they're still managed just by the physio that they just gave the job to because he was like an enthusiastic chap, managed to get them up through the, the playoffs. So what I do know about Rotherham is that when I watched them in the playoff final, I, I quite enjoyed seeing Steve Evans's having to talk about the day and having to be positive when you could see that he was absolutely seething inside, that essentially what everybody was saying is that this, jumped up physio had taken the team that Evans ruined and taken them back up to the division where they not belonged but the division where they'd been they make getting out of league one seem quite easy which is quite annoying because it took us ages yeah they do it all the time they um, don't never stay but you know they have a few years go back down don't seem to bother them don't bother them bother them <laughs> you can tell I don't I don't have a, I couldn't name a single Rotherham player Leo Fortune West I don't know. He I didn't mean thing, in history. So I, I mean, oh, I could okay. do that. I, okay. Uh, can you name another? Go on, then name one. Or in history. Ever. Did Glyn Snowden play for them? I think he might have done. Uh, oh, or was it Doncaster? I knew he came up at Doncaster with Billy Bremner. Another Rotherham player. Um, and oh, I'm thinking of that. No, it's that guy who played for Hull, the striker Andy with the mullet. He used to like play for all that. Booze. Marshall. Andy, No. Not Andy Marshall either. It'll come to me much later. Pandy. <laughs> Rotherham players. Um, oh, who was the guy that elbowed Berardi's face off? He was quite famous. He'd played for some good teams and he was playing for Rotherham. Leon Clark. Leon Best. Leon Best. Yes. This is dreadful. There we it? go. We've named. <laughs> I think this might need editing. We've managed to name two Rotherham players. It's probably given our lack of knowledge and or respect are we showing good faith to Rotherham here we just need to beat them because otherwise this could come back to bite us quite badly we need to beat them as well to avoid the Steve Evans clip being played where he's saying Mm. can be able to do it at the New York Stadium because there's nothing worse than losing to Rotherham and then having to cope with fucking smug Steve Evans just ignoring the fact that we're top of the league and everything that we've done Mm. ah I told you you didn't know this league uh, we don't need it. I think we need to do to them what Man City did. It needs to be a 7 0. That's what I want from this. If Kiko wants to make his debut in this match, Bailey Peacock Farrell up front, hat trick, double hat trick. It's all the same to him. And just absolutely hammer this pitiful, <laughs> pitiful excuse for a team. <laughs> I can just imagine in seven days' time this coming back to bite us on the heart. Always had a lot of time for Rotherham. Uh, good club, great managers, some, lads. some good quality players. Who you wouldn't expect. Now we're winning this. We'll be back to winning ways. We'll be back to winning 7-0. 
Eight nil. Let's do one better than Man City. That was sort of bordering on like a Where's Yeovil t-shirt level of uh, disrespect. I don't even know why we should be forced to play these teams. There's no real. Why is Marcelo Bielsa being forced to compete against a jumped-up physiotherapist and his players? I've also had to players. Um, just check that Leo Fortune West did play for them because I've said it really <laughs> confidently. And then I thought, oh, but he, he, looking at his Wikipedia, he played for pretty much every team. I can name the sponsors: Parkgate, Hampers. Was it Hampers or was it an industrial estate? <laughs> On when the so you kit- can't name the sponsors. <sighs> well, Parkgate. I mean, I don't have to know what they do. And it was when they had the kit had the uh, the sort of the white diamond pattern on red. So I can. I can talk about that. Just don't expect me to know anything about them now. We're top of the league. They're not. Probably never play them again after this season. Ever. In history. Same with Derby County, I guess. No, fingers crossed. Issue six is our current edition of our fanzine, which is out now. You can pick that up online and at Ellen Road as well. Easiest thing to do as well if you fancy getting the digital version. Pick it up as part of a digital subscription, which works out at the equivalent of a pound a month. You can find the merch and all that stuff about subscription at thesquareball.net. Well, that wraps it up for this time. I dare say at some point, maybe two, three, four, five years down the line, we'll start talking a little bit less about spying and Marcelo Bielsa. In fact, we're always going to talk about Marcelo Bielsa on this podcast, aren't we? Four or five years after he's left, I think. I'm only, I think why I hope for the weekend is that we, we don't have to talk about spying or the analysis done on Rotherham is because this will be the one match that he hasn't done any for. No point. The fucking rubbish. So he's not done any. <laughs> Marcelo Bielsa said, yeah, actually, after all the criticism, had the week off. I've just realised very, very late, but you should be our hero of the week, Moscow, because you're finally saying Marcelo and not Marcello. <laughs> I, I meant to actually nominate myself for villain for saying it wrong for so long. It's as well as it's like, you know, I think I've told you before, but I can't say the word carousel. Instinctively, I want to say carousel. And it's just the same. It's the same with Marcello. <laughs> John um, Carousel. Exactly. It's, it's fucking stupid, but it's just the way I am. I spent about 300 hours since the last podcast practising Marcelo, Marcelo, Marcelo. He's got belt marks all over his back. He's been self-flagellating to, to get it into him. So I, I'm sorry about that, but I've taken corrective measures and I'm, I'm back on track now. When I saw someone mentioning it, I did think it could be me that had done it. You, so did, you did drop a Marcello last time. Did I? It's very tempting. It's probably because I'm sat with him all the time, pouring his idiotic poison into, into my ears. I'll be saying Carousel as well. Let's not even get started on these as well. Final word and a final plug for the Mogs. It's not Leeds Carajo. Leeds Carajo. You can buy that online as well. Thesquareball.net. We'll see you next time. The Squareball Podcast. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.